Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tower of Babel Game of Thrones breakdown, or uh, as I like to call it for this week, uh, Clue Game of Thrones edition. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm joined again. I'm Julian. Um, I'm joined again by Dan. Yo. Um, for those who are just joining us uh, this week, again, um, we only cover the show as a show, so don't worry about that, and we're not going to spoil anything past this week's episode. Uh, but we will spoil everything up to this week's episode, um, obviously. So, and including this week's episode. Yeah, including this week. So, um, last week I said that uh, it was very much, there's a lot of table setting, uh, just in general, for the, the first episode, which is understandable. But uh, this week they set the table and then uh, pulled the <laughs> tablecloth right up from underneath <laughs> it right away uh and we've already got some big stuff happening it's only episode two so that's probably a very good sign uh for this season if um if nothing else so from this point forward spoilers okay ready all right Go. still with us so joffrey's dead that's great so <laughs> um, i think the consensus is that it wasn't it, it was it was too fast and not painful enough i don't death. see i don't know about that he choked to death would you rather have him stabbed like i don't see what's like what's What's better way? Of I don't know. I just, he as one of the most hated characters. It was still a good way for him to die. I don't. I'm happy with it. But. Yeah, I. I don't. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, that way of thinking. I think he died quite painfully. He cried like a little baby. Like died like crying, crawling out for his mom. Um, some people were saying that they they're kind of mad at the show for trying to make us feel bad for him as he was dying. Um, <laughs> and I can I can see that, but like. I still didn't like. I maybe I'm just cold, but like I didn't have any. I didn't no, feel you don't bad feel bad for him. For him. But, that, but that's how he would act if he was dying. You don't have. I, I didn't feel any sympathy for him. No. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's just try to get rid of everything that ha- else that happened yeah. in the episode, and then we'll come. We'll come back to that uh, for the last thing because I have a few theories and that, that kind of stuff. Like I think it was you know, um, <laughs> Colonel Colonel Mustard in the library with a uh, with a what are one of the weapons in Clue. A knife, uh, I guess. Are those yeah, one of lead pipe. Lead pipe. Uh, the shand. What's that? Not a with candelabra. Is that one of them? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll start. At the, I don't know. I can't remember what the first scene was, but I'll start. We'll start at Dragonstone with Stannis. Um, okay. Anyway. Uh, so we have. Um, this is kind of reminiscent, I guess, maybe season two, uh, the, like the premiere uh, first episode where they were on the beach and they were burning um, the seven signs of the the old gods. Or the new gods. The there's new seven. gods, yeah. There's too many gods, it's hard to keep track of. Um, so now they're burning people alive. Uh, in this case, it's uh, Stannis's brother-in-law. Yep. Um, Sorry, Axel Florent. Okay, and then we uh, and we finally got to see his wife again. What's her name? Uh, Stannis's wife? Selyse. For again, which is pretty crazy, but she's not been on the show very much. Um, so that happens there's the whole uh, we get the typical conversation between him and uh his the hand of the king davos, yeah. davos about him you know making mistakes every episode there's it with they're in with they're in it they have one of those conversations so that's kind of getting a little old but i guess I mean, what do you what can you do um that's what davos is there for yeah just tell him you're making lots of mistakes um so th- that's followed by pretty much the most awkward dinner scene um <laughs> you could imagine um you have Celise, uh, who's nutty as a like a bag of hammers. Does that doesn't make any sense? That's definitely not a thing. <laughs> nutty as a bag of hammers, because nutty's a bag of nuts, like a like of cashews. Well, let's, well, let's just move on. <laughs> okay. Um, and Stannis, who's again uh, pretty off. pretty, yeah, I guess pissed off, bored, and just he just seems so like um, just not like. Uninterested. Yeah, in, in, in life, he just seems uninterested in life. You wouldn't be surprised if he found out he killed himself at some point. Like, you know what I mean? Well, he's he's uninterested in his wife and her like ramblings about the Red God. Like, he he was never a religious man. He's a very practical man, but now he can't help but but you know bear witness to the to the power of the Red God. So he has to kind of yeah. And we'll come back and touch on that that the power of the Red God later. I have some theories as well. So um, okay. anyway, so she's he's talking about her daughter. Um, I can't remember her name now offhand, but uh, the one with Shireen. the scales on her face. Shireen. Saying that she's, um, Shireen, saying that she's yeah. um, um, sinful. Anyway, Stannis obviously isn't completely cold, says you telling her you won't hit her. I guess that's... <laughs> well, yeah, he loves his daughter. He, he obviously does not love his wife very much. No. Um, but they end up sending, I guess, Melisandre to go talk to her. 
for some reason. Yeah. Um, I guess to convert her or something. Yeah. Um, but she's a smart girl, uh, clearly. Um, she reads a lot. But I think it was, it was kind of a nice scene where her kind of just like she wasn't going to fall for Melisandre's um, sweetness or bittersweetness, you know. Um, but anyway, like that that's just kind of catching up on them. We didn't see them last week. The only other thing to note there is, is that um, they were the, the people that they burned were being burned because they, they worshipped the new gods, but not yeah. the red god. But they were also being, they were being sacrificed. They weren't just being punished for that. Oh, heretics. So it wasn't clear why they were being sacrificed. Mm. Well, Osaka keeps saying that there's, there's, you know, power in death, and, mm-hmm. and that's how you sacrifice to the Red God for a reason. Okay. I mean, well, then maybe that will play out later. I guess we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we'll guess we'll move to the Dread Fort. So this is the first time we've seen it um, on the show in an official capacity. We've been there before, yeah. but we never know, we didn't know where it was. Um, Starts with a hunting scene with Ramsey. Um, so someone told, I'm, I'm not sure where I heard this, but I think someone said something about how they added this girl into the scene um, who isn't from the books, I believe, Dan, or, or can you correct me there? Uh, there's a couple girls there that with Ramsey. Uh, but the one the that's whole, hunting with uh, him. The one that, yeah, Miranda. Okay. She was in last season as well. Okay, just for a little bit or just... Uh... There was a point where her and I believe the blonde girl from that scene both were seducing Theon. You know, okay. and they, they got him going, and then they went and cut his junk mm-hmm, off. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they, I, what I understood, I'm not sure this could be wrong, but uh, that they added her into that scene to make it less, like, violency against women. <laughs> um, <laughs> Probably, yeah. Which kind of, I guess, makes sense. Um, they don't like to do a lot of, like, of that kind of stuff. They're shy, not, they don't shy away from violence, but when it comes to women, I think they it's just a little bit more touchy, which I, I, I get, but I just still, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, again, they, they, hunting with, um, like, a person is not surprising, I guess, when you're talking about Ramsey. Uh, you know, man is the most dangerous pre- like, yeah, prey right. <laughs> or whatever. Um, but uh, it, I guess... I guess I don't really see the point of the scene it, at all, really. I guess we we already have. Um, you already know that he. We already know that he, exactly. Yeah. So what was the point of the scene? I'm, I don't. I don't know. To me- to reference dogs for the first time <clears throat> out of first of two times in the show, like I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Know. Maybe it's just that like Theon's not his only play toy. Like he he just is like that with everybody. Mm-hmm. That girl, yeah, was one of his uh, allies, and then he just was done with her. So that's what happened. Yeah, and I think. Um, the the scene following with uh, with Roos uh, coming back to the Dreadfort um, would have actually been stronger having not seen um, Theon in that pre in the previous scene the hunting scene yeah. um, I, just because I think the the um, how do I put this like the I think you could kind of see where that was if at the end of last season you kind of could predict what was going to happen with Theon coming into this one having the whole reek thing right yeah um that was not a big surprise but having seen how far that he's that he's that he's gone that's a little bit more surprising and to start it off by having the the scene where he's shaving him would have been i think more uh powerful having it come without having seen him earlier changed theon yeah um but other than that that scene with the the shave was great the the tension was palpable um what else? So okay. So what did we learn at the Dreadfort? That there is uh, the Ironborn hold somewhere. That's Moat important. Kaelin. Moat Kaelin. Moat Kaelin. It's like it's a little part of the uh, Westeros called the Neck, where it all like where the the waters kind of come in. So it's a really thin area of land, and then the Neck is the only way to get past it. So it's uh, it's an important stronghold between the north and the south. Okay, and the Ironborn hold it. Um, yeah. We don't. We really haven't seen it. Have we seen um, any of uh, any of the Ironborn? I get. I guess this season. I don't think so. Not yet. No. Um, so that I think we'll probably. I wouldn't be surprised to see them next uh, next week. Although who knows? Um, I'm not sure if we will. Actually, I don't know. Yara said that she was on her way to to save Theon last season. Yeah. Out of, out of the other Ironborn, there like I don't know if there are any real main characters. They're just around. That's true. I guess you'd just be dealing with a bunch but of men. But depends where Ramsey ends up, you know. Yeah. In a couple episodes, he'll be heading down there, so. So they could cross paths. Yeah. Um, 
What else do we learn? Um, okay, yes, notable is that this is the first time we've seen Ramsey and Roose Bolton together, and he's officially called him his bastard son. Um, for those who are still might have been confused, even though it was made pretty clear a while ago. Um, right. Did Bolton have to marry one of the Freys? Yeah, that uh, the fat lady he yeah. married. Okay. And he said that he married her because he was promised her weight in gold and silver. So <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Um, so you can really see that that Bolton has a, like a disdain for his like insane bastard son. Yeah. Um, reminds him a couple times that he's not a Bolton, um, but does kind of offer it as a um, a carrot. That, you know, you could be a part of the family if you do, you know, as I ask. Um, you also know that Ramsey uh, lied to Bolton when he told him that he offered Theon as a trade. I mean, you could kind of say that he didn't, but sending uh, his, uh, you his know, dong. In, yeah, in, <laughs> uh, in a box, it doesn't really, you know, like that's not really going to do well for diplomacy, you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, either way, there's still, I, I like that. Even though, yeah, he he listens to his father, um, he still um, does what he wants. Yeah. Um, and Roos knows the value of Rams. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want him as a son. He just He's using him for his own games. And we also learn that uh, Roos also learns that uh, Theon and Rickon. Rickon? Bran and Rickon, yeah. Yeah, yeah not yet. Yeah. Bran and Rickon are still alive um, somewhere. They don't know where. They're kind of a few steps behind, I guess. Um, obviously, okay. uh, Bran is beyond the wall, so a little bit out of their reach, I think. Um, and uh, meanwhile, you have, I guess, where's Rickon going? He's going to... Rickon and Asha are on the way to Last Hearth. It's the home of the Umbers. It's, it's the fir- one of the furthest north. Okay. And would they... So we don't know much about that um, other than, you know, if Roos is the uh, Warden of the North, right, you would... Uh, assume that they would have to be somehow like the. So where were they going again, Dan? Last Hearth. So Last, the Umbers would have to yeah. pay homage to Roose Bolton if they knew that he was there. So maybe they wouldn't. I mean, maybe because um, a Stark was still alive, which they don't know, they might mm-hmm. still pay like um, you know side with them. Well, we're not sure at this point, but well, that's what they said. They said the uh, Ramsey said that the, if the North knew those boys were still alive, they would rally behind the boys mm-hmm. and they just wouldn't wouldn't be the Warden of the North anymore. That's true. So that I think. Last week's episode really set a lot of things up. This week's episode really sets things up for a lot of uh, intrigue in lots of different places. So now we have something a little bit more interesting going up up north. We have something a little bit more interesting happening uh, down south. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we didn't. Again, I think we'll we'll get to that. And I'll touch on that in a second with the people we didn't see today. But um, we'll just we'll we'll move on a little bit. So Bran, uh, north of the wall, we just as we said. Um, is warging with Summer, um, I guess, apparently for a little bit too long. We learn a little bit more about warging, that you can spend too long inside of a animal's head mm. and then forget that you're a person, I guess, is the idea. Yeah, because you're, you're sharing it. You'll become more and more the animal, and okay. you'll, yeah, you'll no longer be that person. So and it's tempting for Bran because he, he doesn't have legs, so it's tempting for him to be able to run and jump and hunt and do all those things, plus yeah. eat. That makes sense, although you can't eat. Like it doesn't sustain you as a person, but it feels like you are when you're yeah, in it. That makes sense. Um, so this is kind of a the whole scene is kind of odd. So then they move, then they're kind of continue to move, and then they find uh, what kind of tree are those, Dan? They're called werewoods. The werewood tree. So I'm not clear exactly. Does he warg with the tree in some well, way? I mean, it's not really clear. He touches the tree, and then he he gets some visions from the three eyed crow yeah. that they've been. Um, so it says uh, some someone says or something says look for me beneath the tree uh, tells him to go north um, we see the like you said see the three eyed raven again we see uh, white walkers as well as uh, the shadow of a dragon over King's Landing mm-hmm. although I guess it's a vision he's never been to King's Landing so it would be it would just still be a vision but um, yeah um, so yeah like I, that yeah. whole thing you also see it you also see what else do we see we see um, well you see some a couple images of Ned Stark yeah. sharpening a sword uh, you see the throne room covered in snow which we saw a couple of, yeah or ash or not oh yeah I guess <laughs> um, so that's like <laughs> we touched we, we met up with Bran again turns out we're still confused about what he's doing so surprise yeah. surprise <laughs> um, when he gets to that tree well I like to see what happens um, 
So now we can touch on who didn't make it into this week's episode before we get into everything that happened at King's Landing. Um, so Danny was MIA again this week, and that makes two yeah, weeks was, in a row. No, no, she was in it last week. Oh, yeah, sorry, she was, yeah, she was in last but, yeah, week. So well, this makes two weeks in a row that she hasn't done anything, is what yeah. I was going to say, if you let me finish. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'll reiterate what I said from last week, is that it has shades of season two, um, in terms of Danny just not doing anything. She might be in it, but she's just not doing anything. So um, next week's episode is called Breaker of Chains, so presumably um, she'll be doing something interesting, I hope. Um, again, we didn't see Marine again, even though it was in the credits now twice. Um, no Rob, though he was mentioned. No Rob. Rickon. Rob's uh, dead. Oh, sorry, not not Rob. John, <clears throat> John, John. Yeah, nothing uh, from John or Egret the Wildlings either. Yeah. Um, no Rickon. Uh, again, he was mentioned, but we haven't seen anything from him uh, last episode either. Thought mm-hmm. that they're doing anything interesting um, right now. Um, no Arya and the Hound, although we got good stuff with him last week, and. Uh, Still no Littlefinger, which is uh, kind of like, you don't notice it as much, but their chats, like the Littlefinger Varus like, conflict was pretty interesting in the last it couple was. seasons. So I'd like to maybe see him get back involved in some way. Well, he's gone. They, they sent him to the Eerie. No, I know. But I would like to see him get back involved in, to, oh. in the, the show in some way. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do we want to get into, we'll, stop, we'll touch on King's Landing stuff that happened before the wedding, and then we'll get into the wedding itself. Yeah. Does that sound good? Um, so there's like a whole pile of different scenes that happened before and then during, but there's a, like a million character interactions. I want to try to touch on as, on most of them, I think. Um, so the first, the very first scene of the show of the episode is actually Tyrion and Jamie um, and uh, Pod. Um, this is a nice scene because we haven't actually seen them together, uh, have a scene together since probably maybe the first season, yeah. um, which has been a while. You don't think it like you don't notice like you, that these characters haven't interacted for so long that you it's like you don't even notice but then they get back together and you're like you know yeah that was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, so he has a nice he has a nice line uh, about the dwarf the cripple and the mother of madness um, about being yeah. the three kids of uh, Tywin. And uh, Jamie's still obviously struggling with losing his hand, um, even though it's cool that they have like a they have the most sibling like relation like the most normal sibling relationship out of them all they actually have like care about each other they they, they act like brothers and they help each other yeah and they have I had a little bit of mutual respect for one another yeah. and um Ty, uh, Tyrion helps you know offers um Bronn as a way as a discreet swordsman quote unquote um to help him train his left hand um which is um a great well, we'll go right into that there's another great scene um yeah of uh and you can't just you can't help but love bronze like dry wit like oh, he just like comes down he's just sitting there and he makes this the whole line about uh you know fucking some other knight's wife um uh, who's a screamer which i i laughed uh, out loud at that one um and then uh we actually see some sword fighting which we don't get to see a lot of i mean we saw some yesterday uh, last week but even even if it's just sparring it's still nice to see some actual action every yeah, once in a cool. while um Anything do you want to have anything to say about the Tyrion and Jamie or the Jamie and Bronn scenes at all? No, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Jamie, you, you can tell that he still has the technique down, but he's going to have a hard time with his left hand. He's never going to be as good as he was, mm-hmm. and he's frustrated, but he keeps going with it. And then we get a nice scene with Tyrion and Varys. Um, just a quick one. Yeah. Um, and we get con- uh, confirmation that Cersei does know about Tyrion and Shay. And that things really need to get moving before someone um, gets hurt, I guess. Um, reminding him that about uh, Tywin's uh, threats. Um, it's interesting to see uh, Varys clearly use this as a way to get what he was after at the end of Season 3 anyway. He pretty much takes this and he's like, listen, uh, you have to do what I was going to do yeah. in the first place. And then kind of forces Tyrion's hand uh, in many ways. Even though he, like he says himself, he doesn't have as much power. Um, although he does know how to manipulate people. Um, and then, yeah, Tyrion has to go break Shay's heart. Like, yeah, I mean, and speaking of which, Shay is still the worst. I know. Like she's like, this is the most uh, transparent acting, like tough love job I've ever seen, and she's like completely oblivious to the fact that what's going on, like completely. Um, so. We'll just we'll t- yeah we'll just touch on that right now like he 
essentially strong arms her and says like, you know, I'm, you know, I, I could never love you, blah, blah, blah. One of those like cheesy lines. Like trying too hard yeah. to be full. And I mean, like, sure, he says some mean things, but like, it's pretty obvious what he's doing. And it's like, yeah, you can't make eye contact. Yeah. With so, um, he sends her away and essentially offering her the same vacation package that Varus offered her last season. Um, <laughs> With the with the ship and servants and house uh, in uh, where is she? She's heading to I think Pentos. Pentos. Um, so anyway, like she just so thick headed, uh, like it just it drives me up the wall. Um, unfortunately, like we like so we learn later that Bronn says, "Oh yeah, she's on the boat." I just have the like the, the sneaking suspicion that she's not gone yet somehow. And she'll still somehow be around to make things annoying for me. So, well, I like to see that for sure. But like, I don't, I don't know. I hope she's actually gone for once, because um, not like things are going to be much better for him anyway at this point. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um. So we'll get into the wedding, I guess, at this point, uh, where it starts with gift giving. I guess kind of like a kind of like a social <laughs> for uh, for the yeah people give wedding gifts. It's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's taking gifts. He gets, uh, we meet Mace Tyrell for the first time. We haven't seen him on the show yet. And, uh, he gives him a handsome cup, as Joffrey put it. (laughs) Um. Goblet. Goblet, yeah. So Tyrion offers a book. Um, is there anything significant about the book other than the Targaryen kings that are name dropped in the... Well, it's, it's a, it's a rare book. There's, I think in the, in... The books, what they say is that there's only five of them in existence. Okay. Something like that. So obviously very expensive, very rare. Something that a a good king should read, like they say. Mm -hmm. And Joffrey just, you know, dismisses it because he's a little prick. Yeah, so he gets... And then we finally see the second of the two swords from last week's title uh, finally given to him. Um, Yeah, the the Valyrian steel. um, And promptly uses it to cut Tyrion's book in half. Um, Why did it not cut the table in half is what I want to know. It probably cut the table a bit. I don't know. Mm, okay. He didn't. It's like it's just every time they show anyone use a Valyrian steel, like, it literally cuts when yeah, no, when they cut the book, it literally cut right in half, like yeah. like a piece of butter. <laughs> but whatever. Um, so that scene is is significant only because it continues to set t- uh, Joffrey up as being a little shit um, that we know he is. Yeah, um, so that's been hammered right in. Yeah, like I, there's sure. literally I, the scene literally only does two things. Um, sets up that Joffrey's a little shit again, which you knew, and introduces us uh, introduces us to Mace uh, Tyrell. Um, okay. And other than that, I can't think of anything. Oh, oh, right. So, and also um, the whole um, Cersei telling uh, Tywin about uh, um, Shay, but then that's yeah. becomes moot right after anyway because he sends her away. Um, but either than that, like, is there something I'm missing, Dan? Or you? You sound well. I think the fact that well, it's not necessarily something you're missing, but it'll add to stuff later on with your whole murder mystery thing. <laughs> that the goblet that Mace Terrell gave him is the one Joffrey was using at the feast. Was it? Yeah. And that seemed like a giant goblet. As well, it's supposed to be, anyways. Okay, I don't know. I don't think it was in the show. I if if it w- that would be much more interesting if that's the case. I don't think it was. I would I'd have, have to rewatch it. Have, I didn't notice that. Like I, the one that he gives him is huge, right? It's huge. Okay. So maybe I'm like maybe I missed something. Maybe that the wine was in there at the the and it was poured from that goblet. I don't know, but it just it seems to me like that one that he gave him was like really big. Maybe it'll be touched on again later. If that's the case, um, that's definitely interesting. Um, uh, so then we move into the wedding ceremony. Uh, we've seen about like ten of these already in this in this series. Um, so we probably never, never go well. No, I mean we have a pretty good idea of how um, the wedding weddings go in in westeros now you know with the yeah. whole like uh cloak and like the arm uh like i don't like i don't know what you'd call that like lace thing around the arms that they do and so anyway i the only the great part of the scene is uh is um sansa's face is just priceless when she like rolls <laughs> her eyes it's like i've never seen anyone's like i feel like like her eyes are gonna fall out of her head how much she <laughs> rolled them um and they're like oh look we have a new queen um so okay, so this is this is important for my murder mystery as well. So now that she's officially married to, um, they like the ceremony happened. They are yep. wed. 
Is yes. she now officially queen, or is there some sort of ceremony that she would have to have to become queen? No, she's officially queen, and then after Joffrey dies, she's queen regent. Okay. And what is the regent? like? The... It's like the, the, the queen like in standing until the, the king, a king. Okay. has a new queen. So the new king now is Tommen. Tommen would be... Joffrey's younger brother. Really? Yeah, that little like they. The they, one they just showed him, just like the, he was laughing at the. At yeah, the, okay. they barely mentioned him in the show, but he is technically the heir. Well, uh, you know, Stannis is technically the heir, I guess, but. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but like because of how this is all working, then yeah. Yeah, so, jo- Tommen would be Joffrey's heir. So when he, if he gets married, he would that yeah, person would be the queen. Pretty young, right? Still, yeah, like he's... he's very young. Okay. Um. Man, they literally maybe talked about him once or twice on the entire show. <laughs> yeah. In retrospect, so that's that's I guess like I was gonna I was gonna say later, but I guess I can say now like the whole um, murder mystery essentially um, really sets up a lot of intrigue for what's gonna happen in King's Landing for the rest of the season, or presumably mm-hmm. um, for the most of it, as, because we really don't know. This is one of the few murders in the show where it's not just straightforward. We uh, we don't know who killed. Um, kill them we just don't it's there's a lot of clues probably i mean and if you really if you're probably really smart a lot of misleads too yeah exactly so i mean i'll I'll get into that i have a whole bunch of different ideas um and i'll get into (laughs) that um so and then after so after the reception um they take a a long walk i guess is that a part of like tradition to like the reception it's just a party out like it's not a big deal okay um but what I do, what is important here is that, okay, so Tywin and Olena are talking, which are the, man, those scenes are the best. Yeah. <laughs> they just are like, they're, they're, they're really. Those are the, the two bosses. Yeah. Like. They're the heads of each other's families and they, they, they know how to, um, oh, not necessarily outwit each other, but like they both are both intelligent and strong. Yeah. They're really. playing the same game and yeah. Yeah. Um, they do have a little bit of mutual respect as well. I but think so. A, a lot of, of mutual disdain as well. Mm-hmm. So. She brings Lady Olena brings up the Iron Bank for the uh, maybe it was just brought up maybe once or twice before. What yeah. is the significance of the Iron Bank? The Iron Bank is of Bravos, which is across the Narrow Sea. Okay, and it's a different city. the The Crown has borrowed a lot of money from the Iron Bank and a lot of money from the Lannisters. Okay, now that the Lannisters are in charge, that that I guess That's they their own debt. About that, yeah. But yeah, they owe a lot of money to the Iron Bank for the past couple wars. And uh, Robert always kind of shooed them off, and so is Joffrey. They don't really deal with them. I think in last season, at one point, there may have been a, someone who was from the Iron Bank that was trying to see the the king or queen and or, or Cersei, and when they wouldn't see them. Mm-hmm. Maybe either way, yeah, they just won't talk to the Iron Bank. They're just brushing them off, putting it off. So Lady Olena kind of reminds them that the Iron Bank always gets their so what they want. They have a saying: they always get their due. Okay. Um... So that's obviously important. Lady Olena also brings up the fact that she's paying for half the wedding. Not once, twice she does it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, what's the significance there that she, that I guess the, is it so much the crown is broke or that uh, the Lannisters are don't have as much money as they used to? Or? Well, the Lannisters still have, they, the crown and the Lannisters, I mean, the, the crown is pretty broke. The Lannisters have a decent amount of money. The Tyrells are the second most wealthy family. Okay. But because it's both their weddings, they're just, they're both paying for it. And she, she thinks it's all a little frivolous, it's all a little ostentatious, there's too much going on for this wedding, it's, it's the most expensive thing that ever happened. Okay. Especially in the middle of all these wars. Makes sense, I mean, but, yeah. It has to happen, I mean, like, what are they gonna do, not have a wedding? Yeah, but it doesn't have to be that crazy, you don't have to have millions of yeah, but you also, but you, Yeah, but you also have Joffrey, who's a psychopath, and exactly. he's gonna yeah. want that, so... So that's kind of what she's commenting yeah. on, just like, that she thinks it's a little extravagant. Um, I, I think... That's actually one of the things that they probably can agree on. Tywin and Olena can probably yeah. both agree. Um, so we get to the reception, and this is where all there's a lot of like one on ones and one on one on ones and two on one character With, interactions. Like, weird combinations too, like of, of mm-hmm. people that we haven't seen together a lot, uh, which is great. And I, I so we're gonna start. We're gonna start at the beginning. So uh, Tyrion and Bronn they arrive. What's uh, a kind of heart? It's heart, heartfelt moment. He's obviously worried about Shay. He's like asking yeah. about her. He's like, "Did you meet? She made it to the ship. Like, you, you swear? Oh yeah." He's like, "Does he, so? Does he, um, Bronn, um, give the like? Does he say that he killed someone that was following him, or is no? He said that anybody who, if there had been anybody following him, they would have been killed. So okay. he, they weren't followed. It, it's just yeah. Okay. 
And then um, he controls him, and then he tells him to go get drunk. Yeah, he says, like, what does he say? Uh, go drunk, go, go get drink until you feel like you did the right thing. Yeah. Which is, he always great. has, uh, sorry? Which is great advice. Yeah. He always well, seems to have the right, know what to say, you know? Um, I also love seeing uh, Podrick stare at that contortionist. <laughs> like he literally could, like he was like couldn't. He almost walked into someone because he couldn't t- stop like watching. Which is, I, I guess, continues building off his whole uh, like horrors thing from a couple seasons ago. Yeah. Um, which is I thought was funny, lighten the mood. Um, then we have a nice scene with uh, Olena and Sansa. Olena offers her condolences uh, to Sansa um, and invites her to High Garden. Yeah. which we've never seen. Where is High Garden, by the way? It's in the south. It's kind of, I guess, it would be southwest of King's Landing. Is it? Uh, there's, there's not much, it, not much to give you an idea of where it okay. is. It's pretty far away. Okay. Um. Anyway, so that, that's a, again, that's just a, it just had to be done. One of these scenes, it's like it's Olena doing her politicking as she normally does. I think also she yeah. she does have a, a somewhat of a, a heart in her, so I think she does feel bad for the young girl. Um. She does uh, offer a little bit of foreshadowing with her whole killing a mad in a wedding remark, which, mm-hmm. again, is very interesting as far as uh, murder mysteries. Um, so Marjorie offers... Um, then we so then we get uh, Marjorie offering the leftovers of the feast, the wedding feast, to the poor, kind of trying to, I guess, uh, fix some of the, the problems that uh, Joffrey made by being a, like a dickwad. Um, yeah, she was always very charitable, and then now mm-hmm. she made sure that she said it was it was the king's decision. Yeah, you know, um, which plays into um, something that happens a little bit later. But uh, so then we have Loras and Jamie. Loras is giving um, uh, Oberyn; they're giving <laughs> each other the bedroom eyes, uh, um, and they have a nice little uh, exchange. Um, it starts off all you know quaint, and then. Uh, Jamie essentially says, "Hey, you know, if you marry Sans, um, Cersei, you're gonna die. Your kid is gonna die. It's not gonna go good for you." And then um, Loras, who's usually uh, kind of a pushover, gets a nice yeah. little jab in at Jamie, which I thought was nice. Um, you just you don't see a lot of Loras, and I think he's uh, yeah, he's not supposed to be a pushover at all. He's you have to remember that he's one of the the best like, the best swordsmen out there. They never, if that's the case, I, I they haven't done a good job of yeah. that yet. Because Brienne, I guess, beat him. But other than that, he he's like he'd never lost. And then uh, at the in season one, <clears throat> he beat the mountain in the joust. Oh, the that's what got that... mad and, and cut the head off that horse. Yeah, and they changed the actor, but it's the same character. Okay. So Loras was a different actor, or the mountain was a different actor. L- both. Okay. Yeah. Was he even like really seen, or is he just under the helmet at the most of the time? He was seen a bit in, in okay. season one. Um. So you know, like that's when they change actors like that's very confusing. Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> especially because the show is already hard to exactly. Um, either way, I just like that Loras gets the nice little jab in at Jamie, and who probably now, be, if that's the case, could probably now beat him at a sword fight. Um, yeah, that's so. that's kind of what it is. They they were they were rivals because they were both considered some of the best. Mm-hmm. Now Jamie knows that he's not. Um, Brienne, uh, who is actually not bad at her at her own politicking. Uh, comes in um, and you know congratulates Joffrey and Marjorie. Um, she doesn't really take well to the uh, the little jab that Joffrey gives uh, about um, um, Renly, but because uh, she still she obviously cared for him. Yeah, Brienne loved Renly. Yeah. she thought he would be the the best, the, the only king. You know. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, <clears throat> they have a nice conversation with uh, Marjorie. Marjorie obviously respects Brienne, uh, which we saw from before. Um, and then we have, uh, Cersei approach her afterwards and they, um, are kind of talking about, uh, what are, what really are they talking about? Just kind of like about Jamie, about how getting back to Pretty much. the capital. Cersei kind of jabs Brienne a few times about being a lady and like that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, but then, yeah, she, she really is trying to get information about what Jamie was up to while he was gone that whole time because she doesn't trust him. Now she, we saw last episode that she was kind of mad at him for being gone for so long. For, okay. She doesn't know what happened. So, well, Cersei for me, this is something that really dawned on me. I guess in this episode, she just feels so lost. Like I don't know what she did. I can't tell what her motivations are. I don't know what she like. What is she after here? Like I don't. Well, it's because it's because she's losing control. She's no longer like as Oberyn points out, which is probably the next one we were going to talk about. That she's no longer Queen Regent. She yeah. really has no power at this point. She's she's just the daughter of Tywin Lannister. That's all she is. Yeah. 
Um, she's losing her control of her children because Joffrey's a mess. Yeah, at that point she doesn't have. Um, uh, Marcella's gone. Marcella's gone in, in Dorne. So. Yep. Um, but either way, like she, like she, she's. She just seems to be going from one scene to another, just being like a like a snide bitch from like yeah. everywhere she goes, drinking all the time, and like yeah. she just and she just seems lost. And maybe you know what that maybe that's on purpose. And like you said, it probably is. Um, it just that it's just really hard to get a read on her right now. Um, yeah, she's just trying to like like impose her will on people that she can because it, it, she's running out of yeah. opportunities to do that. So one more thing before before we get on to Oberyn yeah. was that Cersei confronts Ma- uh, Grandmaster Pycelle, who's uh, I guess essentially molesting some girl <laughs> um and uh tells and like sends him off and says uh tells them to, to give the leftovers that marjorie uh marcella no marjorie ah, what marjorie it's tough i know ah, what's her name again <laughs> marjorie Mar- marjorie promised for the poor give it to the dogs so she says the queen is ordering you to do this which she so she still is obviously trying to hold like you said trying to hold on to that power while she can um even though she isn't technically the queen regent anymore um and it just looks like Pycelle is just you know afraid i wouldn't be surprised if Pycelle gets um the axe at some point soon it seems like um um the former meister uh kyburn is kind of taking his place in yeah. to some degree um and Cersei is right that Pycelle is annoying. He's always annoying. Yeah, I, I, that is true. She just did. She did it in a weird way about like your breathing is annoying, your presence <laughs> is annoying. Um, so this is probably one of my. This is arguably one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode. Um, the Oberyn Cersei and Tywin yeah. scene. Um, awesome. So <laughs> Oberyn does a nice job. Uh, gets a like, get a jab in at uh, at Cersei when he's introducing. Um, Alaria Sand yep. Uh, yep. to Tywin and Cersei, um, which was that was great on its own, and then um, he also he makes reference to Marcella, which is another like dig at um, um, at Cersei, I guess at Tywin as well to some degree, mm-hmm. um, who we almost never hear about. We I guess um, every once in a while we we want to hear, but we've never even seen Dorne, so it's, that's not really a surprise. Yeah. Um, we also get some Westerosi cultural information, as like so. In I guess in most of Westeros, they kind of there's a lot of disdain towards um, bastard children, and they all have their different names: uh, Snow uh, in the north and Sand yeah. in Dorne. I guess there's other ones. I'm trying there's to. There's a bunch of other ones. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing there's some sort of water type one. <clears throat> uh, rivers is for people that are in the Riverlands. Okay. Stone is in the mountains. Yeah. Um. So anyway. In Dorne, apparently that's not the case. They embrace them more as a yeah. regular part of society. Um, Dorne, Dorne's probably like the most distinct of the Seven Kingdoms. The, the North is to an extent, but Dorne is is more different than anybody else for sure. And yeah, they have plenty of bastards, and they're all like even Elaria um, said she's a bastard, and she's also she's Oberyn's paramour. It's not his wife; it's just a girl that he hangs out with. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, are you, are you guys seeing each other? It's like, it's nah, that, no, no. It's a girl that he loves, but it's not. It's not quite the same yeah. as having a, a marriage, you know. Yeah. Um. So he's also okay. So being, we already heard about this last week. Where he was, why he's there, why he dislikes <clears throat> the Lannisters. So he's very upfront about this, even mm-hmm. to Tywin, who's yeah. obviously the most powerful of the Lannisters, arguably. Yeah. Um. So he's like, he makes that reference about um. Uh, raping and killing um i guess his niece again right to his face not afraid about that so again this also plays into the whole murder mystery thing it is it's it's a threat it's it's him showing tywin that he remembers he wants to make sure that his presence is known that tywin knows they haven't forgotten what happened to elia Mm -hmm. and also reminding cersei of where her daughter is that she's she she's not a prisoner but she you know (laughs) she might as well be be. yeah (laughs) Um, she could be at any time. It's like when yeah. uh, Sansa was is was kind of essentially exactly. a prisoner, but not. Yeah. Um, so that moves into the very distasteful uh, show by Joffrey with the uh, dwarves to reenact the War of Five Kings. So this is where it's things start really getting um, start picking up and get interesting. Um, people start are very uncomfortable um, during the scene. Uh, Loras gets up and leaves, um, which again um, is. Another 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 thing to just keep note keep note of. I've made a lot of notes. Okay. <laughs> um, so the scene itself is just seems just it's just building people's up 
to be uncomfortable. Like, that's really nothing else going on there. But then it ends. Well, and Joffrey's being a drunken prick. Well, yeah. But I mean, I guess he's drunk that's this all. time. He's never been drunk before, but that's about it. So we get to the point. Yeah. So essentially, we get to. Uh, we get more of him being a dick, which is, again, not a surprise. Um, but what's really, to me, what is really important to me is that people are visibly uncomfortable with what's going on. Um, Tyrion obviously says, you know, give him 20 pieces each. Um, and then the, the line that's like very, very interesting is the, we'll find another way to thank the king. Um, yeah. So, so Tyrion is then called out after uh, it comes to an end. Um, he gets the wine poured on his head, um, and uh, and like, and then it starts picking up even more. So he appoints Joff, uh, Joffrey points Tyrion his uh, cupbearer, um, drops the his his goblet, kicks it away, essentially just being like the most obnoxious, uh, obnoxious. You could pro- like just evil as far as you yeah. can, and. Uh, you see Sansa obviously, you know, help uh, Tyrion a little bit, which is a nice little um, uh, move. And then, uh, obviously, no one's speaking. Tension's very high. Um, he, the, the, we get to the point where uh, he's telling Tyrion to kneel. We think things are coming to a head here, um, and but it's kind of it's kind of broken off uh, early uh, when uh, uh, Marjorie says, "Oh, look, the pie." So. Um, yeah, it gives you a little yeah. bit of a break, but then Joffrey hasn't forgotten what was going on, and as Tyrion's trying to leave, he calls him back. Yeah, so we have, so we have like he, you know, open he chops the pie or whatever, cuts the cake essentially, mm-hmm. kills a few doves in the process, um, which I think was a um, how how would you? Uh, I'm not sure. That foresh- was a weird little foreshadowing. It was, like quick, it was I don't know if it's foreshadowing. It was just a quick little shot of some dead doves, but I don't know. Or maybe it's just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, symbolism, maybe. Uh, that they just wanted to throw in there. Um, although it seems like every shot has a purpose in Game of Thrones, so I'd like it we'll does. See. I know I have to rewatch this. I, I paused it. I was like, okay. I was like, wasn't sure what they showed that for. I paused it. I was like, oh, okay. So it's some dead doves. I'm not sure what what is that. Is that a um, what does that mean? Is there is that a bad <laughs> is that bad luck in Westeros? I don't know. Um, so anyway, so he does like you said. He doesn't let Tyrion leave. He's trying to leave with um, um, Sansa. Sansa. Uh, which again, this again, this it's like all these different actions are all playing together um, to create this mystery. Like I said, so that's an, that's another one that probably goes against Tyrion, right? Um, yes. So he gives uh, he gives him the wine. Um, so he doesn't let Tyrion leave. But has him refill his his goblet and give him the wine for his uh, while he's eating the pie. Um, then this is when he starts coughing. Um, that's when it's like, oh shit! At first you're like, oh, he just had coughing, and then then you're like, oh shit like this isn't just like yeah this isn't just him coughing so interesting here is seeing olena call for help twice not even in the most um like heated moments she's not doesn't forget like what to say and what not to say right i think she's very has her cool yeah yeah i think she's very much aware of what that the effect of joffrey's death would have on her house um so uh, it, either positively or negatively, it's it's you can't tell at that point. Um, but you have that's something you have to say at that uh, when the yeah. king is choking. Um, so we get a great shot of Tyrion picking up the goblet as he's choking to death. Um, uh, Cersei is like holding him. Um, you see him picking up the goblet, and the and the the, the camera kind of skews to the right, like a little bit, like a like kind of like you see in like a murder uh like a like a horror movie every once in a while um and it gives you like a uneasy feeling um and uh it's obviously it's like having you question what like more obviously than what's going on like as it's happening you know that he's dying right um and you're already questioning what's going on but this is like is it like he puts it the frame right on uh Tyrion, followed right obviously by uh um cersei freaking out obviously and telling him that it's obviously that you know taking him into custody. Okay. Um, so we end uh, with a very we end with him dying, uh, kind of like holding out for his mom. Um, again, we talked we talked about this at the beginning. He we didn't really find it to be sad in any way. I think everyone kind of wanted him dead in the first place. So oh, absolutely, it's yeah. like it's about time that someone who's on the like 
the the chopping block is someone we actually wanted dead for once you know yeah that's actually twice this season last se- uh, last episode was Paul over that's one off of Arya's list mm-hmm. and then now Joffrey like two bad guys that actually got their comeuppance yeah so it really happens yeah well apparently it's the fourth season we've only got two <laughs> um, so we have um, we we end with a very chilling kind of creepy version of the Reigns of Casimir they love that song um, playing over the credits. Um, so okay, I want to, so what, what are your theories? Okay, I'm going to go into my theories. This okay. okay. So I guess I'm going to reiterate this. What I said for earlier is that this death is interesting on a cup for a couple of reasons. Um, it wasn't straightforward. I, uh, he wasn't, head wasn't chopped off. There wasn't just a, there was a knife. Um, he just died. We don't know how, um, is also, uh, almost everyone in Westeros wanted to see Joffrey dead. I think there was there was very few people who were on his side, and this only creates a million different suspects uh, as to who or how it could have been done. Everybody um, had photos. And really, exactly, and really sets the stage for, like I said, that intrigue in King's Landing for the rest of, or presumably for a majority of the season. Yeah. Um, so my first, I have, I think I guess five different, uh, different takes on it. So first one, in no particular order about, or which ones I think is the most right or, or, or whatever is that Tyrion did, in fact, poison uh, Joffrey. Um, okay. But this one has a little <clears throat> bit of holes. For, for So for those who are like, okay, so for, for sure he did it, though for me, it's unlikely because he poured the wine from his own table um, into the goblet. Um, he was also drinking that wine. Mm-hmm. Um, when would he have poisoned it? There's He's, um, he's up front sitting at that table the whole time. Um, there's no way people... He's sitting in front of everyone. When would he have been able to do it? Um, if you're going off of what happened earlier with him and like the whole wine poured on his head and the insults and all that stuff, then it would seem more like a crime of passion and wanting to have him killed then and there, not something he would have premeditated. Right. Um, in which case, well, I was, mean, that's been happening all sure, time. but this one that it really came to a head there. Right. Yeah. Um, so was he, it's unlikely to me that he would be carrying around poison with him. You know, if that was, if that is how he died, which is, seems like he was poisoned. Right. Um, yeah. so it seems unlikely that he would be carrying that around. Um, so if, is that his, was that his plan? I don't know. It's like, that's right. That's what I mean. Like it's, it, it's got some, it's got some holes in it. Unfortunately, yeah. because he was the last person to give him the cup before he died and he was obviously one taken into custody. He like the spotlights on him. It's up yeah, to him to prove blamed. that he didn't yeah. do it. Not yeah. that he, uh, that they, for them to prove that he did, you know? Yeah. Um, not that there'll be much, there's not much of a trial system in, uh, <laughs> in Westeros. So second of all, it's that the Tyrells were responsible. So this one was based solely on the fact that if Marjorie was queen, so I asked you that earlier, the mm-hmm. fact that she is queen for sure, and now the queen regent in this case, um, it makes sense, I guess, to get rid of Joffrey um, to some degree. For it does kind of hurt your position as far as um, um, as power for like a long standing. But you know that Joffrey's an evil son of a bitch. If you are, um, we know that Olena uh, doesn't have doesn't doesn't like Joffrey. Knows that we've talked. They've, yeah, they've said it out loud. We we're asking for a lot of information yeah. about him. So it could be plausible that they had planned the murder and they yeah. have, they have like they have motive as well as uh, the means. I think they, they were responsible for the food, right? Um, so they could have gotten to the wine and to the food to poison it. Right. Um, say, what else do we have on that one? When would they have, like I said, they would have poisoned it um, when they had, uh, when they were bringing it out of everything, I guess. But then why didn't why did no one else get sick? Then it's like, mm-hmm. well, then was it really the cup? You said you brought up earlier that the the, the goblet that he was using was in the book the same one as uh, the one he was given for his as as a gift. So I'm not sure if that's the case in this or not. It's hard to tell. Um, but um, you also have Loras leaving early. You get the impression it's because he's insulted by the um, the whatever's happening with the... Well, it's because the of their doors. depiction of Renly, yeah. right? So, but that also could mean that he knew what was coming and left early because he didn't want to be involved. It just, it could, there's a, yeah. is a lot of different facets here. Um, obviously, we have Oberyn and the Martells, so we know that uh, um, they sent um, the second prince instead of um, the first. 
having sent the second one, if he was the one who did it and he was caught, you could presumably um, plead, I guess, like, you you didn't know. It was like, pleaded the... the you didn't yeah, you had no idea what's going on and your your house isn't affected in any way right yeah um so he was maybe the one responsible um maybe it wasn't the martels as like oh, as a family or maybe it was just oberon himself um but i guess like i said they for sure have the motive but then he doesn't have so much the means how did he get access to the wine then was it if that if it was them then how did he do it and if it wasn't the wine what was the cause you know there's a lot of things it's like it makes at first blush, it's like, yeah, it was for sure the wine that did it. But maybe it was maybe a combination mm-hmm. of his wine and the like and the pie or, or, or something, you know, um, that we don't know yet. They're just saying this. If it isn't the wine, the web just gets even more complex. So then you have uh, Dantos, Sir Dantos' involvement, the fool. Uh, he for sure has motive. Uh, he was probably had access to the wine. So he has means. Um he tells Sansa, yeah, and you know what? No, he's absolutely involved in some way because he tells Sansa that he needs to leave before it's clear that Joffrey's going to die. Um, when he tells Sansa, you need, like essentially the "come with me if you want to live" yep. <laughs> uh, line, that um, he's still only kind of choking, and it's not clear to, to anyone there other than the people who were the ones who committed the murder that he was about to die. So he was involved. He knew something for sure. Um, I don't know if he was, uh, you know, a sole actor or he was involved in it with like a, a larger conspiracy. It's hard to tell, um, but it also doesn't look good for Sansa having her leave um, with with him mm-hmm. if that well that's happening, right? Um, so that'll be interesting to, is how it plays out. And finally, I'll end with this one. So Malisandra last season did that thing with the leeches, right? And she he, she essentially hexed um, some of the the other kings in the War of Five Kings. So she hexed uh, Rob, and she hexed Joffrey, and there was at least one other and, one. And Balin Greyjoy. Okay, and Bail. Okay, and Balin Greyjoy. So that is now two of three, in short order, that have now died since mm-hmm. that's happened. And we know that magic has power in this world. We know that. Um, it's just hard to at this point to to say if it played a role in shaping these events, like, you know, with the Red Wedding, that, um, you know, those gears might have been in motion a little earlier, we don't know, but, you know, he died shortly after, now Joffrey's dead, similar fashion, both at a wedding, it's like, so, it's it, it doesn't seem, it's too much of a coincidence to yeah. ignore, is, is really what I'm getting at. Um, I think, at this point, it's too early to really know, I mean, for the book readers, they know, and they probably really enjoyed seeing the little um, hints at what what it was that. <laughs> yeah. And, but I have no idea. I mean, I, I think I've probably picked out a lot of the different things that could be construed as hints or misdirections. Like I said, there's, I have five different theories, uh, four of which are people who were at the wedding, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, what? okay, what do you think? Um, I know you already know what's going to yeah. happen, but what do you think of my, well, without, of my without theories? Without spoiling anything, like, I mean, they're all, they're all valid theories. The whole point, it's it's supposed to be a big murder mystery. It'll be like this for a while. You're not going to have any solid answers right next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they purposefully did make it seem like it could have been a couple people. One of the, one that you missed that my sister mentioned, actually, was that Pycelle was sent down to the kitchens, and he is the Grand Maester. He has all those po- potions That's and true. poisons and stuff like that. And he was obviously mad at Cersei, and he knows that Joffrey's a monster. I don't know. He's also been very loyal to the to the Lannister family, and I think he, he doesn't have as much motive as, as some of the rest. Yeah. But there, there was that there. Um, Joffrey's the only person who had a piece of the pie. I was thinking, see, I was wondering that too. I was thinking, so it's like, I wasn't sure because it looked like he was being fed by Marjorie, right? Yeah. Um, was he absolutely the only one who had a slice? There's well, no one else. The only one you see, he cuts the cake himself, and then Marjorie's feeding him the first slice. But was well, it so you could call back to that de- the dead doves, right? Yeah. So one of them for sure was cut by the sword when he uh, yeah. cut it. The other one is not clear if that's the case. Was there a dead dove in there that maybe ate the pie? And died because it was poison. I mean, Perhaps. that's that is very, very, it's, very. It was possible. a really, really quick shot. It's hard to see. I mean, I can go back. I, I looked at it again. I know for sure one was cut. It had like okay. like a, a red neck. It was cut like right where the slice was. But the other one wasn't. I know there was more than one, and the other one wasn't clear. Um, 
that's for and like we said there's no shot in game of thrones that doesn't have importance right yeah um, um other than that a, a couple others that i had heard were somebody actually said tywin lannister because he knows obviously joffrey's a monster joffrey's out of control you know, I didn't think I didn't consider that gets, that. gets rid of Joffrey, but to- that still puts a Lannister on the throne. That's Tommen's throne, and that also kind of gets rid of the Tyrells because they can have Tommen marry someone else, t- so the Tyrells don't have as much power. That's true. Um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take into account the fact that the Lannisters might have done it themselves. Yeah. And you know what? It does make a lot of sense. I mean, we know that Tywin's a smart guy. He knows that um, he could easily frame anyone he wanted mm-hmm. if there's a with this type of uh of of murder right so if it was him it makes sense it's like it just that's the problem they all these people make sense and it's most likely that it wasn't one person (laughs) acting solely on their own um which is probably gonna make it even more confusing another thing the show did and it's just it's a small thing but they they showed a lot of tracking shots of Varys just kind of looking not happy and like kind of suspicious at the feast i don't know why a lot of him though he wasn't a huge part of the episode but they showed him a lot they did, yeah. He had, seemed to have like he looked nervous a little bit. Yeah. So he wasn't enjoying himself at the wedding. He was just sitting at the table quietly and just like looking around. Again, I, there's just too many. There's just too yeah. many to figure out. I mean, so do we want to give? I guess some final thoughts as, as terms of uh, what we thought of this episode as a whole. Well, I mean, as a whole, it's a great episode. It sets a lot of stuff up. Obviously, it was a, it was a, a big ending. But the main things that it sets up are that Tyrion's being blamed, whether he did it or not. Mm-hmm. He's being blamed. Sansa's gone somewhere. Mm-hmm. Who knows how she's what what what's happening there? Um, what else? That that's kind of the main stuff that happened in this episode. Uh, Ramsay's supposed to go take Mo Kalen, and Bran has visions when he touches trees. <laughs> yeah, it's like I really I liked it. I like the fact that oh, yeah. this show is so good at subverting your expectations. The, the fact that they would kill off Joffrey in episode two to me is like means so much it's like they're not afraid to save big events just until i mean and they said this earlier like that mm-hmm. they weren't saving they're just all the big events until yeah. episode nine like they normally do although i do appreciate that they haven't put out the name for episode nine and tens uh like they haven't put out the titles for those episodes yet um so those are still secret which is nice because for for sure they're they're for sure probably would allow you to speculate yeah so um, I enjoyed it. I didn't really enjoy uh, Shay as I normally don't. <laughs> um, and the stuff w- with Stannis and them was kind of yes, whatever. it seemed kind of superfluous. I mean, I would have liked them to pick up on the whole hey, there's a really big important thing going on in the north, but we're not going to talk about it. Like I don't understand that. That's kind of odd. Um, I like to see Danny actually do something. So that's not seeing her in this episode. I, it was understandable because of yeah. the importance of what happened here. Um, and might have taken away from that. So next week, like we said, the episode's called Breaker of Chains. She's That's one of her nicknames. So, um, like I said, presumably she'll actually be doing something. Yeah. Um, it's really, coming into the season, I was a little worried. Coming out of the Red Wedding, things felt different, a little bit of a, sh- like, there wasn't cl- as clear direction as far as who and what, like, was going on. Um, you had some idea what was going on in the north, a little bit more black and white, um, and uh, you know, across with Danny, it's still it was like a little bit, it's like sure, just keep on going with what you're doing. But then, as far as everything else, it's a little bit more murky. Mm-hmm. But now with the events of this happening, even just in the episode two, we didn't, we only languished in that that world of of uncertainty for two episodes: season three, episode ten; season four, episode one, and that's it. Now we're into this who killed the king we know what's going on in the north we have people hunting uh the young starks we know what's going on at the wall um again was still with of uh, with um danny that's we already touched on that um but you know that she's heading to marine yeah that's a bit right now but we yeah we don't know we, we she came to a city last like last season too and we know how that she came to two cities last season and we know how yep. those ended up so it's like great you know like, like sure i mean you, you can probably expect the unexpected with that I mean, you should, I guess, with the show. You, if you if you don't by now, I don't know what you're watching. Um, <laughs> but I just like that that it has. We have a new sense of purpose for once. Um, not for once, but again, um, that we kind of had when we were when we were following um, uh, Rob and we were and we had like you know hurrah for revenge and stuff like that. You know, exactly. so 
other than that, yeah, I think that pretty much, and that's like almost exactly one hour of, uh, of a podcast. So <laughs> that pretty much covers uh, everything. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Tower Babblecast. Uh, check out uh, Dan's written reviews at the website, uh, www.towerofbabblepodcast.com. That's B-A-B-B-L-E uh, podcast.com. Um, I also have uh, a few written pieces, not Game of Thrones related, but still interesting. Um, make sure to listen to our uh, flagship podcast, the Tower of Babel podcast. If you're interested in Game of Thrones, you'll probably be interested in a lot of other stuff. So that's every two weeks. Uh, we do um, we do one of those on a Monday every two weeks. So next Monday, we'll have another one. And uh, other than that, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Today's Game of Thrones theme was performed by the Harp Twins, Camille and Kennerly. You can find them at youtube.com slash Camille and Kennerly.